In a world where sports rule the airways, there are two who dare to break from the norm. It's time for The Movie Zone, starring Austin Horton and Johnny Lightfoot, now playing on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. We'll be back. It is The Movie Zone. I'm Austin. He's Johnny. Hi, Johnny. Hi, yo. Oh, wow. That was... Sorry, my voice is still cracking. <laughs> There's a little Peter Brady-ish uh, going on right there. That How was Mr. You? Hanky from South Park. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. How are you, sir? I am so good. How are you, buddy? Uh, doing a lot better. Doing a lot better. When we did the show last week, you could tell I was about gone. Yeah, you were almost... I, I almost had to call in, you know, the big boys for that one. It was... Uh, I don't think I've ever been that sick in my life. It really? was rough, rough, rough. Well... We did the right thing and separated in different rooms. Yeah. And seriously, when you, I, when there was a point where you were laying on the ground, <laughs> staring at the ceiling, I was debating calling our buddy Larry to come help help me do the show. Like, uh, uh, hey, yeah. Larry, can you come down like now? I was more <laughs> snot than blood uh, in, this, in this illness. It was that's it was, graphic. It was so bad, Johnny, that uh, I laid in bed for three days and kept getting worse. Really? And I've had COVID already. I've been double vaccinated for months now. Okay. And I was convinced that I had somehow had a breakthrough case. Wow. I went and got tested three times. You could have been ground zero point, ground, wait, yeah, ground, patient zero point two. Yeah, maybe. So, Is that right? Yeah, that's right. But it turned out, and I knew, I knew better because my daughter had been sick the week previous with croup. Right. So I knew that. I, I knew better, but I was convinced myself. It's it was. very easy for our minds to take us places that they probably should never go. And the reason I share this is it wasn't, it was not hard. You, I got the first test I took was an over the counter, bought it for 20 bucks at Walmart. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. You can do that? Yep. They have them now. Wow. Uh, they're okay. Called, they're called Binax. It's really cool. And it's, a, it's the COVID test. Yep. You get wow. two for $20. It, you, it comes with a little swab and a little special fluid. You swab your nose. You put it in this little vial thing. You close it shut for 15 minutes, and boom, it tells you if you're negative. So what happens if you swab your nose, swab your mouth, and like put it around the toilet ring, around <laughs> the ground, and then put it in? I wonder what the test would come back If it back comes as. back positive, move. Because <laughs> uh, that's what I would do. I'd be like, I wonder what happens if. But then I kept getting worse and worse, so I went. And but the reason I share this, again, is it's so easy. It's, it was just a drive-through. Uh, up in Clearfield at the, mm -hmm. at the uh, uh, Job Corps. They swab the inside of your mouth, right, really quick? and Well, they did saliva and yeah, nasal yeah. swab. Wow. And all three tests ended up being negative. But I felt silly. Overachiever. I felt silly because I was like, I should, I should know better. But, but hey. I'm actually glad I did it, and I would encourage everyone to do that because what if? Right. Let's nip this thing in the bud. If you've been vaccinated, thank you. Yep. I, I applaud you. If you're not getting vaccinated... It disappoints me uh, and, and in some ways really frustrates me, but this is the land of the free. Yeah, of And course. you have to respect that. But then I would ask you, please, if you start to feel ill, go get tested and isolate and, and keep, it, keep it away from anyone else. Well, it's worth doing. Like I said, let's, let's end this. Yeah. At least this year. Let's, let's get it done. Because it's, it, everything feels back to normal right now for me well we're having blockbuster movies released every week blockbuster movies every week full theaters concerts are back i mean it's yeah we're like 
everything feels normal. So, I don't want to go back to hoarding toilet paper again. Yeah, let's not lose it. Anyway, movies. Go get the shot. It doesn't hurt. Movies, movies, movies. We got a ton. And like we said, we've got a pretty much a big release or two, sometimes three, every week the rest of the year. I know. If we behave. Block, so let's keep it going. Blockbuster Summers. Thank you, Jaws. Uh, so we'll get to some of those. How, do, how many do we have? Six today? Six at releases? Least, at least six. Uh, including uh, a local production uh with our friend mclean nelson you knew the movie once i was a beehive we've had he and his wife claire nita prume on the show before for some of their other projects he was in a saratov approach but he directed once i was engaged the sequel to once i was a beehive and we spoke with him uh earlier today so we're going to play for play that interview with him coming up in segment number two but beyond once i was engaged that opened yesterday we have, uh, yeah, six new releases we got to go over. We have a poll awesome. question of the day of, of the week. We have a from the archives. We have uh, a soundtrack of the week slash lesson history. Less, what was it? Lesson in music history. That's, yeah. You, I yeah. always stumble you remember, over that. Remember? You yeah. remember what it's called? It's only been a week, but I, I do you remember, good? Are yeah. you good? Uh, but it's, it's a stretch a little bit. Lesson in music history. Uh, or soundtrack of the week works as well. And we have a big movie coming out this week that Johnny knows a lot about, and I was too young. That's okay. So we'll get to that and more. But before we go any further, Johnny, you were in charge of the Movie Zone movie showdown over the, the past weekend. This is where we pit two movies of similar genre up against each other and let the people decide which is the better movie. What'd you go with and uh, why? I went with Mystic River and L.A. Confidential. Both of them are kind of cop drama movies. So, and I, I initially thought I'd seen neither, but then I was reminded I have seen Mystic River, and I seem to remember I really liked it, mm -hmm. but then forgot about it. So is that on me, or is that on the movie? No, I think I think this, this movie came out in 2003. Okay. And not to be confused with Mystic Pizza. Right. <laughs> Mystic River. This movie stars uh, Kevin Bacon, Sean Penn, Tim Robbins, you know, a whole cast of Laura characters. Linney, yeah. Yes, and it's it's a cop movie, but it really flew under the radar. I mean, it's like people who saw it saw it. It's kind of a cult film, but it it flew under the radar. Uh, Amy Emmy Rossum, yeah. one of her first uh, forays into the motion pictures. And it went up. I put it up against L.A. Confidential, which is also another cop drama type of movie, and surprisingly. Because it wasn't that well received. I think more people might have known about LA Confidential than Mystic River, but Mystic River won with 61% of the vote over 39 for LA Confidential. So bravo, listeners. Wow, a blowout win yet again on the movie night, uh, movie zone showdown. That's right. Well, it's it's kind of starting to happen that way. That's fine. Uh, we like the neck and necks better, but it's 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 fine. But I do have to admit, LA Confidential was off to a great start, a lot like the Phoenix Suns, and then just blew it in the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's the movie zone movie showdown of the week. We'll send out another one this coming weekend. Got it. Get on Twitter. I'm at Austin Horton. Johnny is at Johnny Lightfoot. One Zone Sportsnet is where you find the station. All right. Let's open uh, this week's releases, Johnny. Okay. I want you to go first because. We've got two really big releases this week. Yeah, we do. The first of which I know of but don't know about because it was a little before my generation. It was definitely your generation. I'll, I'll handle it. This week, <laughs> this week, Snake Eyes, rated PG-13 action adventure fantasy, starring Harry Goldberg. Uh, you might know him from- Golding, yeah. Golding, sorry, from uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Samara Weaving, uh, Hugo's niece, and Andrew Kuju. 
Koju? Ko- Koji? Koji. Ko- Koji. That's what. That's it. He's actually in another movie that I know of. Anyway. <laughs> okay. A mysterious lone fighter known only as Snake Eyes is welcomed into and trained by an ancient Japanese ninja clan called the, oh boy, here we go, <laughs> our Shrinklage. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's not. That's not it? Arashikaji. Arasha Cage, Arasha Cagey, or something like that. Welcome to my world. A shrinklage. A shrinklage. I don't think I'll be joining a shrinklage. Thank you. Any other uh, ninja groups oh. I can be a part of? A shrinklage. I can't stop laughing. Snake Eyes and a shrinklage. There's, uh, we'll move on. Oh, man. <sighs> his loyalties are tested with secrets from his past are revealed as he eventually goes through onto the path to become part of the famous G.I. Joe heroes. Available in IMAX, D-Box, Motion Seating, and Dolby Atmos Sound. Yeah. A uh, shrinklage. A, a movie about shrinking that's on the IMAX screens. So like, Snake eyes. Okay, so a lot of people will have nostalgia <laughs> attached to this because knowing is half the battle. I'm sorry. Oh, see, you do know. But I, that's about as far as I know. I know G.I. Joe was the good guy. I always thought Snake Eyes was the bad guy. You would think that, but no, he was part of the good guys, and then Storm Shadow was part of Cobra, the bad guys. Oh, Cobra yes. was the bad guy. It's always G.I. Joe against Cobra, and honestly, G.I. Joe came out in the 1960s, believe oh, it or not. Oh, as a comic book? Or? No, as the action figure. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Well, uh, so a lot of people, I think, will have nostalgic reasons to go see this film. This is a tie-in to the G.I. Joe movies. Uh, there was two of them before this. That in the, no one remembers. Right, that no one remembers, and- it's obviously, as it mentioned, it's a prequel, basically, about how Snake Eyes... And I think he's one of the coolest G.I. Joe characters there is. You saw his... You, you never saw his face. It was always covered. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he didn't talk. And uh, in the original, it was uh, Ray, Ray Parks, the guy who played Darth Maul. Oh, cool. Who played him and did all his action. Gotcha. In when the original G.I. Joe. When was that? When did that, that was come 2009, out? I believe. Okay. So yeah. it's been 12 years. Yeah, it's been 12 years. And this is the origin story of Snake, Snake Eyes. Eyes. So That's you it. do see him. Oh, yeah. And how he comes to join a shrinklage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when I watch this trailer, Johnny, as someone who knows of G.I. Joe but not about G.I. Joe, I thought this, is, this looks kind of cool. It reminded me of if you take Fast and the Furious... Combine it with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, mm-hmm. and throw in a dash of the most recent Mortal Kombat, you've got Snake Eyes. When you first see the trailer, you actually think it could be Mortal Kombat. Okay, yeah. Uh, no, I'm serious. When Because they, they showed them at the same time, Mortal Kombat trailer and Snake Eyes trailer originally in came the out. the previews, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, look, it's the Mortal. No, it's not. It's, uh-huh. it's Snake Eyes. So I'm excited. I was a fan of G.I. Joe's. I, I had G.I. Joe comic books as a kid and played with the toys and had all of them as a kid. So this is going to be a fun, nostalgic movie. But the trailer makes it look really cool. So do you think this will be a success, a flop, or it really depends on who sees it? I think this is uh, part of the Hasbro movie people right so obviously the gi joe's the battleship uh did, oh. did they do did hasbro do uh yes did hasbro do the transformers i think they did well they own the toy yeah so they also yeah. did that so it's part of their movie thing so i think fans of those movies are going to absolutely love this movie i i'm going to go middle ground on this right so for I, the average person i, I that's i kind of think that if you if you're like me and you know of but not about G.I. Joe, you probably will give this a C- minus in the end. Yeah, I think that's fair. A passing grade, but it's kind of like, eh, what, it was cool, saw some action, but I don't really care about the storyline. If you're a G.I. Joe nut, 
Yes. You'll probably love this. And movie. there's lots of those. Yeah. So, so there you go. That's one of the big openings this week. Snake Eyes it is rated PG-13. Yep. PG-13 action adventure fantasy. Also coming out this week, a rated PG-13 drama mystery thriller written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, boy. Starring Rufus Sewell, Thomasine McKenzie, you know her from uh, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Alex Wolf from Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. A family on a trip, or excuse me, a family on a tropical vacation discovers that the secluded beach they are relaxing on for a few hours is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day. Available in Dolby Atmos Sound, it is called Old, again, M. Night Shyamalan. Now, Johnny. I like his movies. All of them? Most or of them. Or two or three of them. I did not. I in, Okay. I liked most of them. I did not like Unbreakable. I did not like uh, Glass. But I liked, didn't? But I liked Split. Okay. Let me read you his movies. Okay. You say yes or no. Glass? No. The Visit? Don't remember that one. Unbreakable? No. Split? Yes. The Village. Yes. Really? Yeah, I thought it was fun. Because uh, it had me guessing the whole time. Did you ever see Wide Awake? Yes. Okay. After Earth? No. Signs? Oh, yeah. The Happening? Eh. The Sixth Sense? Of course. Deta- or, excuse me, Devil? No, I didn't see Devil. And not Stuart Little. Or she's all that. He's just loosely tied in there. All right. So, but, it's about... Yeah. You said yes, no, I think half the time. Though. Yeah, it was about- Oh, and I skipped Lady in the Water because that's an absolute no. Is, wait, was that the movie where she- Bryce felt- Dallas Howard and Paul Giamatti, and he's a he's a super at an apartment complex and finds a mermaid kind of- Merman. No, it's a mermaid. It is? Lady in the Water. Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, what am I- I'm and thinking of- the, the dog that is made of the grass- that attacks okay. it's the worst movie no, I've I didn't ever see seen. I thought for some reason I thought we were talking about the movie a few years ago that was up for best picture and I think one where Shape of Water Shape of Water yeah. that's it no that's Olivia Coleman yes Michael Shape. I love that movie by the way no Lady in the Water it's awful it's so, horrendous so about half the time M. Night Shyamalan makes a movie that you like the other half you absolutely hate them my only problem with M. Night Shyamalan is every movie he does now I expect something that's just a, a bomb drop like whoa so I find myself watching for it, for signs for it throughout the whole movie, and sometimes missing parts of the movie because of it. Does that make sense? Mm, say again? So, you know, in all of his movies, he has a big moment, like The Sixth Sense does, yeah, like The yeah. Village does, a right? A payoff, yeah. Um, I expect that from every one of his movies. Okay. So I find myself trying to discover it before it's... Trying to ruin the fun? I'm just trying to figure it out. (laughs) So sometimes I'll look for things in the background or pay attention to the cinematography and kind of miss out on the the language being spoken and and sometimes miss part of the movie. Gotcha. Well, uh, Larry has this to say. He says, I'm generally a fan of M. Night Shyamalan, but even as a fan, I can admit... This is Larry Tassoni, by the way, film buyer of Megaplex. Even as a fan, I can admit not all of his work has been equally great. I am happy to say that this film was very entertaining. The premise was quite interesting. I agree, by the way. The premise, yeah, I've watched this trailer probably nine times. This is the one where they end up on a beach, and they by every hour they age so many years. Their, their whole life, as yeah. it said in the description, it comes down to one day. Yep. And, they, and so he thinks that Mr. Shyamalan did a really nice job getting back to Mr. Shyamalan, good Mr. Shyamalan with old. I'll tell you this, Johnny. I would, at minimum, give this a two, uh, $5 Tuesday tip of the cap. 
but seeing as I'm not really into G.I. Joe and Snake Eyes, this would be my go of the week. If I'm one of those really? families or one of those couples or one of those people that go to the movies every week, and that's my tradition, I go every week, I would be picking old to see on the big screen this week. I think it's going to be pretty fun. Wow. Okay. And it is a horror. It is. But I'm, it's I'm mystery sorry. thriller horror. It's not well, yeah. slasher, zombies, uh, dead, you know, uh, mummies, that sort of thing. It's like, it's like a reverse Benjamin Button. <laughs> okay, yeah. You age fast instead of you start old. Yeah. Yes. yes. All right, so there you go, old. And that brings us to our poll question of the week for uh, we'll get to here in a moment. At Austin Horton, at Johnny Lightfoot1 on Twitter. What's a scary movie or a movie that everyone else thought was scary, but you just found it to be kind of dumb? Showgirls. That's not absolutely a good frightening. That's not a good answer. No, it doesn't work. It's a movie that everyone else thought was scary that you thought was just dumb. Oh well, it was okay. And the reason why is because I think of I think that about signs. Sorry. Really? I like signs. Okay. I just never really found it scary. I found it more over kind of I never, dumb. I never saw it, thought of it as a scary movie. I just thought it of, well, you know me and aliens. I mean, yeah. come on. I love it. So that, that moment where the alien comes out from behind the garage at the so little awesome. kid's birthday party, awesome. I laughed out loud. I know. We talked about this. And <laughs> Did, I, have we spoken about yeah, this? We, yeah, we talked about this off air, and I, I was like, what? That was awesome. <laughs> so let us know. We'll get to your responses here in a moment. Tell us about the uh, other new releases, though, Johnny. Swing away. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Swing away Merlin, or what's his name? <laughs> uh, sure. Merlin. 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 Meryl, Meryl, yeah. Yeah. Joe Bell, a rated R biography slash drama starring Mark Wahlberg, Connie Britton, and Gary Sinise. Hey, I could read all those names. Yeah, good job. Let's see if I can get through the synopsis. The true story of a small town working class father who embarks on a solo walk across the U.S. to crusade against bullying after his son is tormented in high school for being gay. Yeah. This is going to be uh, not necessarily a fun movie, but I think this is going to be a, a movie that tugs at the heartstrings a little bit. Oh, um, yeah. And as I've said, and there's another one on the list, but I love the fact that they're doing more biography type of stuff at the Megaplex. I love it. Yeah. Well, and this, this might, you might see and hear this popping up at Oscar time. You very well could be. Uh, Wahlberg is getting rave reviews for his role as his portrayal as the father in this. And it is a true story, as you said. And most of this movie was filmed in Utah. Yeah. It's about a man whose child uh, committed suicide because he was bullied for being gay. Yep. And this man was a very conservative, religious man who came to grips with reality that your children should trump whatever religious or political convictions you have. But he came to that realization too late. And so now what he does is he spends his days walking America. He doesn't drive. No. He doesn't ride. He doesn't fly. He walks America and gives uh, lectures and, and uh, uh, speeches at schools against bullying. It's pretty, pretty. It's, it's, it's a touching, tough story. And it's one you'll want to see, I promise. I, uh, it, not only is it going to be touching, it's tackling a lot of hot topics right now in our nation yeah. with bullying, with, uh, with, with being gay. There's a lot of topics right now in this movie that are, are hot button topics. And I love the fact that they're tackling this. All right. And then real quick, we do have uh, four more. We told you about once I was engaged. We'll talk with McLean Nelson here in a moment about that. Bo Burnham inside the comedian, the, the musical comedy that's been out on Netflix for a minute. He made it, it all by himself in his apartment during the quarantine it's it's really really funny and really good it's at megaplex you've got settlers a rated r drama sci-fi thriller starring sofia Botella, johnny lee miller and ismail cruz cordova 
Mankind's earliest settlers on the Martian frontier do what they must to survive the cosmic, el cosmic elements in one another. Not for me. Not no. Gonna, not going to be seeing that. But you tell us about Val. I'm excited about this one. Again, as I mentioned, another biography slash documentary by, uh, at the Megaplex called Val, starring Val Kilmer and his son, Jack Kilmer, who is narrating for his father. Okay. For over 40 years, Val Kilmer, one of Hollywood's most misunderstood actors, has been documenting his own life and craft through film and video. He has assumed thousands of, or he has, uh, yeah. Amassed. Amassed, yeah. thank you. Amassed thousands of hours of footage from 16-millimeter home movies made with his brothers, uh, spent time in iconic roles for blockbuster movies such as Top Gun, The Doors, Tombstone, Batman Forever. You could have kind of left Batman Forever off of there. No, no, no. It was sucked, but it was He his. wasn't a great Batman. Yeah. But, but the other three, Top Gun, The Doors, and Tombstone, yeah. I'll be your Huckleberry. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, this raw, wildly original, and unflinching documentary reveals a life lived to extremes and heart-filled, sometimes hilarious look at what it means to be an artist and a complex man. So it's a, uh, a, a biography documentary from his own footage? Yes, from his own footage, uh, narrated by his son. Wow. As you know, Val has fallen ill. Uh, he has uh, he he has to breathe through his uh, what tracheotomy? Is that what they call it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he he wears a scarf. Like he still will go to. Well, he used to. I don't know if he does anymore. He used to go to like the comic cons and do the signings. And you had to go behind closed doors to see him. And he would wear a uh, a scarf around it so you couldn't see it. At this time, I think he could talk hmm. a little bit, but you could get the picture with him. It's really sad. So he no longer speaks. No, it's really sad hmm. what's happened to to Val Kilmer. It's it's really sad. Yeah, uh, and you mentioned how good his roles and how iconic his roles were and are. Uh, right. He, he's to be celebrated, and I'm excited to see this. You know, and one fun fact about The Doors movie, um, he sang those songs. I know, yeah, that's crazy. In the movies, he sang the songs, and they brought in the remaining Doors living members and played it and played Jim Morrison's and played Val Kilmer's back-to-back. -back. They couldn't tell the difference. Oh, that's unbelievable. Isn't that unbelievable? It's kind of like uh, Joaquin Phoenix doing Johnny Cash. Yeah. Sounds yeah. just the same. It was, it was, and Val did that, gosh, 90s? I think it was in the 90s, The Doors? Mid-90s, maybe? Mm. It oh, was, when the movie came out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it was just uh, un unbelievable. All right, there you go. There's the new releases this week. The Settlers, Val, Joe Bell, Old, Snake Eyes, Bo Burnham Inside, and Once I Was Engaged. We'll get to uh, a little more on Once I Was Engaged next segment with uh, our friend McLean Nelson, director of that movie. But before we break, Johnny, let's answer our poll questions. Okay. Our poll question responses to the or the answers to the question is, name a movie that everyone thinks is scary but you just think is dumb. Daniel Chavez talks about that moment in Signs I mentioned where the alien jumps out. Yeah. And then he puts the old uh, footage of Bigfoot. Yeah. And says, I think I know where they got the idea for this. <laughs> Nancy says, Signs actually scared the crap out of me. Afterwards, I had to drive home past cornfields. The horror movie, I think, is just dumb as Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Doesn't even have Michael Myers in it. It was supposed to be an anthology series, but flopped just annoying and dumb. That's funny. Daniel says, The Paranormal Activity movies and Annabelle movies. Oh, okay. man. I find those extremely freaky. Yeah. Lee uh, says, The Ring. Definitely. Okay. Scary, but she finds it dumb. This movie traumatized me as a little kid, says Christian Garrett. I remember it as the first scary movie I ever watched. I think I was around eight or nine years old. Terrifying. And he's talking about signs. Mm -hmm. Papa Dave sends in a gif of, I don't know what this movie is. I, I don't know what that movie is. Bunch of knockoff looking Star Wars droids. 
malfunctioning. I don't okay. know. Cameron sends in Tropic Thunder. That's not scary. Get out of here, Cameron. Kirk says, I loved Signs, M. Night Shyamalan's best movie. Hmm. Unusually Plain says The Exorcist. Everyone finds it scary, but he finds it dumb. Look, I've seen The Exorcist 999 times, and it keeps getting funnier! <laughs> and that's exactly what Zach Andrus said. Yeah. With Beetlejuice. Exactly. All right, coming up next on The Movie Zone, we'll check in with McLean Nelson and his new movie, Once I Was Engaged, playing at Megaplex, opened yesterday, and uh, we'll get uh, some insight into that movie right here on The Movie Zone. You're locked on to The Movie Zone with Austin Horton and Johnny Lightfoot on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. 97.5-1280 The Zone. This is The Movie Zone. Austin Horton behind the glass over there. I am Johnny Lightfoot. And yes, today we are talking about a composer, if you couldn't tell from the theme, Austin. Alan Silvestri. <laughs> Back to the Future. Oh, man. Polar Express. Oh, so many. So many. Alan Anthony Silvestri born. Ready player one. Yes. Oh, man, it just keeps going. Anything Robert Zemeckis is in. Uh, Castaway. That's right. So yeah. many. And I'll get into stuff you might not even know. So he was born March 26, 1950, and he is an American composer and conductor of film and television scores. His credits include everything Austin just said, Back to the Future, Forrest Gump, Lilo and Stitch, The Polar Express, a lot of the Avengers themes. He is a two-time Academy Award and Golden Globe nominee and a three-time Saturn Award and two-time Primetime Emmy Award recipient. Wow. He's got some awards there. We might have to do him again when we've got more time. We do. He's going to be a fascinating uh, look. Well, just so you, just to kind of, you touched on it there, Austin, about Robert Zemeckis, and those two have worked together on every of Zemeckis's films, including *Romancing the Stone*, uh, *Who Framed Roger Rabbit*, *Death mm. Becomes Her*, *Contact*, *Castaway*, uh, *Biowolf*, *Flight*. I mean, it just goes on and on and on, man. And you, you can even talk about *The Abyss*. Yeah. *The Mummy Returns*. Van Helsing. Oh, he, it, it's him, James Horner, John Williams, Hans Zimmer. Those right. are your guys. Yeah. And this is probably one you didn't know, buddy. From 1977 to 1983, he was the main composer for the ch television series Chips. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah crazy. He wrote, yep, he wrote that music for Chips. So Alan Silvestri is our soundtrack of the week. He is like John Williams, but just a few notches down, but not very many. He's right there. He's right there. He's right there. All right. Uh, so there you go. That's our soundtrack of the week. Now, let's get out to the zone phone and talk about once I was engaged. When a woman gets engaged while at BYU-Hawaii, her mom goes all out to plan the wedding. However, both mother and daughter must overcome the pressure of perfection when plans don't go as expected. And without further ado, out to the zone phone we go, where we talk with McLean Nelson, writer and director of Once I Was Engaged, the sequel to... The beloved once I was a beehive. Uh, McLean, welcome back to the movie zone. I know a lot of people who really, really, really enjoyed once I was a beehive, including yours truly right here. And we're excited to have you on to talk about the sequel. How are you? I'm doing really great. Thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure. So remind our listeners, we, we did a little intro for you going into the break last segment, but remind our listeners who you are and, and projects you've been attached to in the past. Absolutely. Well, the, probably the one most people know me from first was the Saratov approach. I was the producer, and I played one of the missionaries 
elder props as an actor in that movie. That's where kind of people got to know me. Sure. And then uh, a few years later, uh, you know, I did, uh, I wrote and directed Once I Was a Beehive, which, you know, as you so well introduced. <laughs> and uh, that one, you know, people, that, that one's just kind of grown in popularity. I've also done show off to an improv comedy show on BYU TV. But probably Once I Was a Beehive is what I'm most known for now. Um, and then hopefully now, once I was engaged, will be the next kind of chapter in that. For sure. And your wife is Claire uh, Nita Proom, who plays uh, the, uh, the, the lead in, yeah. in Once I Was Engaged. And we had her on with you last time to talk about her project, Little Women. I love that, uh, and this is a little peek behind the curtain, I love that you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and as far as I know, she's not. And yet you Correct. both have this this connection and love for good, wholesome family entertainment. It's pretty cool. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we, we um, you know, we connect. When, when it comes down to it, you know, you usually connect with most people regardless of their, of their religious background. Us as humans have the base, you know, core uh, values and all that. So we try to find movies and entertainment that have like a common touch point and just stuff that everybody can watch. So yeah, for it's, sure. it's the, it's the hardest comedy and the hardest thing to do, but it's also the most rewarding, in my opinion. Now, I watched uh, I watched this movie, and I got to say, I really, really enjoyed it. It was it was quite fun. I did not see the other two. Uh, I've got to be honest, I didn't see them, but I did watch Once I Was Engaged. I loved it. I thought it was funny. I thought it had great moments in it, great family value moments in it as well. Um, but I'm curious. Why choose BYU Hawaii instead of BYU Provo? Oh, weird, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Just so that we had an excuse to go to Hawaii. I knew it. I knew <laughs> it. You know, you know, as filmmakers, you gotta you gotta set yourself up for some good experiences. So, you know, when I'm controlling the writing, you know, why not place it in a in a place that's beautiful? There's a line in there that we say, if Brigham Young could have seen Oahu, he put he would have said, no, actually, this is the place. Which we thought was a True. pretty funny line. So, uh, you know. No, I actually I think um, it's uh, I think it's very brilliant to uh, put a movie in Hawaii or anywhere in the Caribbean, any of those tropical places, because you know that's where I would want to be. <laughs> exactly, sure. exactly. When you brought up something interesting, uh, the, the fact that you hadn't seen Once It Was a Beehive, and that made me really happy that you still enjoyed it because we actually tried to design the script uh, so that you didn't have to see the first movie to understand and appreciate. This, this once I was engaged. And so that, that makes me really happy because make sure if you've seen the first one, you may know the characters and have a couple, you know, understand a couple of the Easter eggs, but we really want it to be accessible to even those who have not seen the first one. So that makes me happy. And, and I think you accomplished that well. Like, as mentioned, I did not see it, but I did not feel lost at all in the story. Yeah, for sure. Right. It, it came across McLean. It, it stands alone. But if, like you said, if you are a fan and have seen Once I Was a Beehive, you'll like this uh, a little more, a little extra special uh, with Great. Blake Carrington. Yeah. Now tell us about working with your wife on a project because I love my wife and, <laughs> oh, I, and my goes. wife loves me, but we both have our own separate careers. I'm in media entertainment. She's in retail, cell phone selling, and loves that and is great at that. And I love this, and I guess I'm passing great at this. But if we ever had to work together, I'm not sure it would go so well, McLean. What are the <laughs> unique challenges of working with your wife, and especially as a director, saying, hey, you sucked there. Do this better. <laughs> well, hopefully I choose better words than that. <laughs> but, uh, no, there is. There is, there are challenges, of course, because you know, in regular life, you're not allowed to just 
boss your wife around and tell her what to do or vice versa and <laughs> for good reason but in this you know i am the director kind of the director's job is to really you know shape the story and so you i did have to give her specific things if if it wasn't coming across the way i envisioned it and uh you know sometimes she thinks i'm a little harder on her than i am with everybody else but i think <laughs> it's just because of that relationship but in the end we have that mutual respect and trust you know, she she looks over my script and gives me great col- collaboration, gives me notes. I do the same on her project. So, you know, there is so much more. The, the positives outweigh the negatives. And honestly, the fact that we get to, when we work together, work together all the time, it really enriches kind of that that part of our relationship, especially because sometimes, you know, we do projects not together. Like right now she's in Connecticut shooting a, a uh, Hallmark movie, oh, cool. and uh, we're we're apart right now. But um, you know, it makes it when we get to work together that much sweeter to be able to to just share in every moment. Now, now, McLean, let's let's be honest. You said uh, she looks over the scripts and looks at some. Oh, maybe you should re- rewrite this a little different. <laughs> Is that her lines? Does she want you to write her better lines? <laughs> Of course, all every yeah. actor always wants their lines to be better. I know, right? But I would think being uh, <laughs> being the wife of the director and writer, she's like, "Come on, you got to give me some better lines." <laughs> well, luckily for me, she uh, she she really likes this character and she knows this character well. So when I write for it, um, the, the lines kind of really work. And she did she did have a lot of fun little ad libs that she added. There's a moment where she she does this ad lib where she tells her roommate's hiding in in the closet from the mom because you know carrie carrington if you know the first movie she's a force to be reckoned with and she was very surprised by this engagement because it was kind of leaked by the roommate Uh, the video was leaked so she's hiding in the closet from the mom when she visits and she comes out and claire had a really funny idea for an ad-lib line to say uh she was afraid of mom to her dad just a kind of an inside moment there so she she really comes in with some great ideas and some great um you know, zingers to, to just add to the comedy and add to the drama. She's she's a dream to work with, as is Lisa Valentine Clark, who plays Carrie Carrington. I know how to write for her. She's so she's so, so funny. talented. Yeah. Yep. She's so funny. Like, I know exactly how it's going to come out of her mouth when I write a line. So it's really a bonus as a writer to have such talented people that are saying the lines. How, how long did uh, principal photography take? Were you out for months? Were you out for weeks? Were you out for six months? What was what was your typical? Well, it was, I mean, it was a total of, it was a total of, I believe, 16 days, and it was, um, it was 11 days in Utah and five days in Hawaii, and, and, but it was split up over three chunks, so it felt like a three-month shoot, and, the, and, and not necessarily on purpose. We actually had to, we had a little bit of a scare. We had, we had somebody test positive for COVID the mm. first run wow. in Utah, and, you know, we were following the, the the state guidelines and and everything so we we had to shut down and retest everybody and kind of you know we we were coming up on the thanksgiving holiday so what we decided to do is let's just we got six days in the can let's let's regroup get everybody healthy to get out to hawaii and then come back and finish the rest of the utah stuff in the new year and luckily we were able to kind of get everybody back it was pretty hard because a lot of our actresses are in la or in colorado kind of you know one's in grad school in florida so it was kind of like one's in in new york uh, phoebe the one who plays phoebe valentine she's in new york studying at nyu so 
It was tough, but we uh, we got it all together, and everybody really wanted to come together to shoot this because they, they missed each other, and it's kind of like a big family reunion. Now, without giving things away, uh, I, I've ha- I had a really uh, – I don't not, – not a hard time with it. It was kind of cathartic watching this film because one of the – maybe one of the main story arcs matches something I've been through myself, but anyone that's been engaged or has uh, been gotten married or has helped someone plan – for a wedding knows how incredibly stressful things can be. And that's what this movie is, is focused on. I want to know, McLean, was there any real life uh, draw from your own experiences in this writing? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I, um, this, this comes mainly from personal experience. Um, yeah, the, here's the deal. The, the time when you're engaged is this crucible moment where all the positives and negatives come out. You have... You know, you have ex-relationships coming out of the woodwork kind of – it's just it's a strange little boiling point uh, that's a roller coaster ride. And most people kind of don't talk about that. After they're married or whatever, they, they want to just focus on just the positive. But, like, I, I, the more I talk to people, the more everybody has a roller coaster ride of an engagement. And, you know, whether or not you went through with it or not, you know, it, it's 100% this roller coaster ride. And in the end, you have to make some really hard choices, and you have to stand by your choices. And in this culture, we kind of do that at a very young age. So I thought, how fun would it be to actually share in honest truth the pluses and minuses of that roller coaster ride and what, how important it is for you to really kind of, when you're making a decision with marriage and anything that's affecting your life forever, to really, really trust yourself and not base your decisions on any external, you know, pressures, but to really, you know, look at everything through that lens of, is this right? And, um, you know, have some trust in yourself. So that's, that's kind of the theme I want people to go away with, even though we, we definitely take people on a ride. How long is the movie going to be uh, running, and where is your favorite place to see it? So I, I mean, my, the, my home movie theater is the University Mall Cinemark. But uh, it's running in all the megaplexes as well. Cool. Um, and it's all over Utah. We're in 28 theaters all over Utah. It's, it, you know, it, it opened yesterday. So if you check your local listing, there should be a showtime. You know, if you liked Once I Was a Beehive and you like uh, and you kind of like the movies that I've done, I feel like we've kind of created a trust with the audience. You know, I'd love to ask anyone uh, to give this a try. Go, go see it with your family. I really think that you're going to enjoy it. And it's super helpful if you do get going on this opening weekend and get to the theaters because it sends a message when people buy tickets to an independent film that, hey, these these movies are important. We want to see them. And if they do well, then they keep us in theaters for longer and they give us an ability to do more stuff like this, more stuff that's family-friendly and more stuff that, that you know, you, you can take your whole, you know, anyone you know to. So, yeah, if you want to go see it, please do us a favor and check it out this this opening weekend over this holiday or you know as soon as you can well i recommend that people see it as mentioned i have seen it i love the movie i laughed i thought it was great it's a great family values movie it's worth checking out the movie's called once i was engaged and this is mclean nilson with us right now what do you say austin yeah absolutely we both saw it we got a, a free screening for a, a few weeks ago from Michelle at a more PR group, and it was really fun. My wife really, really liked it too. Which, when my wife That's likes good. a movie, and and I like a movie, then as I aforementioned, it's going to be a success because we don't really agree on a lot. So, <laughs> McLean, <laughs> give our best to Claire and uh, congrats on the movie, and hopefully uh, see great success with it. Thanks so much. Appreciate the time. Thanks, McLean. There you go, McLean Nelson. 
writer, director of Once I Was Engaged. Uh, and like we just said, go see it. It's fun. It's good fun. It's As mentioned, it's a family-friendly movie. It's shot well. It looks great for a local production, this thing. I, as You know, we've said this about a lot of the local productions, uh, Austin, is they're all looking really good. They don't look – they look like major releases, and this falls right into that as well. Not to mention Lisa, uh, who plays the mother. She's also a radio host. Yeah. So anytime a local radio host here in Utah's in a movie, you got to go support them. Absolutely. All right, coming up next, we'll give you a short – Holiday edition of From the Archives. Okay. Because we're almost out of time. I know we are. We'll be right back here on the Movie Zone. You're locked on to the Movie Zone with Austin Horton and Johnny Lightfoot on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Final segment this week here on the Movie Zone. He's Johnny. I'm Austin. We are running out of time, so let's get right to the uh, From the Archives selection this week, Johnny. We're going to talk about G.I. Joe, the the rise of Cobra from 2009. Of course, because Snake Eyes is coming out this week, we might as well throw back to what started it all. Directed by Stephen Sumners, written by Stuart uh, Betty and David Elliott, starring Dennis Quaid, Chanham Tating, Marlon Wayans, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Ray Park, Rachel Nichols, and a whole bunch of other people. Rachel Nichols from ESPN? Sure. No, <laughs> no. It had a budget of 175 million and had a worldwide gross of 302.5 million. Austin, this had every making to be a blockbuster success, but it wasn't. It was an absolute flop. Rotten Tomato, 34 percent. Critics, I mean, sorry, fans, only 50 percent. Mm. Now, a little trivia about this. It's based, of course, on the 1960s action figure G.I. Joe and the 80s comic books and cartoon show. Now, Austin, I had all the toys and I still have the original comic books from this time. I don't know if you knew that. I'm kind of a nerd. (laughs) And I loved watching the TV show. And my favorite G.I. Joe toy was the aircraft carrier. And guess what? It was seven feet, six inches long. The, the toy? The toy. That's it could It could launch airplanes on it, and it would hold, hold almost every G.I. Joe character inside of it. Where did you store that? It, I, had a, I had a toy room. <laughs> and at the end, just so you know, at the end of G.I. Joe, the team is on said aircraft carrier, and it appears to be the USS flag, and bearing the number 99, the, the, the toy had that number 99 on it, so that's a little Easter egg for it. Huh. Why did it have that number? That, that was just the number it was assigned cool. as a toy. Cool. We got now, about a minute. Okay, Dennis Quaid took the role of General Hawk on the uh, insistence of his son. A fan of G.I. Joe and the filmmakers enjoyed working with Dennis Quaid so much that screenwriter Stewart created 10 to 15 more scenes for him. Hmm. And martial artist stuntman Ray Park, who we talked about from Star Wars, Darth Maul, had little knowledge of the G.I. Joe saga, but as a child, he played with the toy Snake Eyes, and thus... He was delighted to play a childhood hero. To uh, prepare for the role, he practiced training and studying Snake Eyes appearances in the G.I. Joe comic and television series. Afterwards, he approached writer Kevin and artist uh, S.L. Gallant with the idea of a G.I. Joe comic further exploration in his, car- in his uh, creation of this character. So it's kind of Ray Park's like, man, I really, really want to do this. So it's his fault we have an origin story. It is. Now, uh, Chanham Tating told Howard Stern during a radio interview that I blank hate this movie. 
He revealed that he was forced to make the film because he signed a three-picture deal early in his career prior to, uh, prior to finding wider fame. That's what's always said. Yeah, I'll yeah. sign a bunch of them to get more fame, right? Yeah. Well, while the movie was offered to him and Tatum was dissatisfied with the script, he asked if there was a way that he could avoid taking on the movie but was told if he did, he would be sued. Yep. However... His dislike of the movie is more due to the circumstances which forced him to do it while he considers the final product as a pretty good film. What a baby. Enjoy your millions. Right. Matthew, uh, one more. Matthew Fox, Chris Hemsworth, and Chris Evans, and Mark Wahlberg were all considered for the role of uh, Duke Duke, that uh, Chatham Tating was cast for. This movie had a body count of 186. There were 250 explosions, and 112 cars were crashed during the film. There you go. Is it directed by Michael Bay? You would think so. Yeah, yeah. All right, there you go. From the archives, G.I. Joe. Wait, what is it? G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. Yeah, that dumb thing. But Snake Eyes is out. Go see it. Or go see Old by M. Night Shyamalan or Once I Was Engaged by McLean McLean Nelson. Or Val. Or Val by Val Kilmer. Mm. All right, Johnny. Have a good uh, holiday weekend, sir. Okay, guy. (laughs) Okay, guy. That'll do it. Yes. Uh, The Zone will be off Friday. We'll be uh, here on Monday, though. when everyone else has the day off. That's right. So we'll see you then. Next week, the Movie Zone will have another big blockbuster opening. That's what we're doing this year, this summer anyway. As long as everyone gets vaccinated. Get it done. All right, he's Johnny. I'm Austin. For McClain Nelson, this is the Movie Zone.